This is Age of Treason Radio. With your host, Tan Stoffel. Treason is trending. It's been a while since I've podcasted or written anything of any substance, and I think I should probably explain why. In a nutshell, my life has changed and my attitude has changed. I've done enough thinking and speaking and writing to understand, I think, all of the basics, all of the things that I used to wonder why these things are the way they are. I've pretty much figured it out. And I'm not all that interested in just repeating myself and uh, speaking for the sake of speaking, so I don't. I, I, I've remained active on Twitter, where basically the process is reviewing the news that is highlighted by other people, the, the trends in current events. And I make brief comments on those things and tying it usually into some of the insights that I've uh, talked about many times in longer form over the past several years. So there's really, I feel very little need to write long essays or do uh, podcasts of um, research, detailed research on things. There's there's plenty more subjects that I'm interested in delving into, but I don't expect that, that I'll be all that much more educated by that work, and I don't think I would be convincing very many more people if they're not already convinced by the kinds of arguments and analysis that I've already provided. So I don't. And I've also got other things going on in my life. I, my job, that um, what I actually do for a living to pay my bills... I've um, poured more of myself into that. But there are a few things that I wanted to talk about besides this uh, explanation for why I've been mostly silent for the last few months. And it amounts to two of the largest trends in current events. The first is the invasion of Europe. And I spoke about this back in the spring of this year uh, when I saw it was in the context of this pathological altruism that European leaders are cat ladies and they're inviting aliens into the uh, into Europe and um, you know I made my points about that that it's not cat ladies and it's not a cat lady mentality that actually rules it's a worship of Jews and it's a um, this this idea of whites having to Whites being bad, basically, and non-whites being good is the morality, the rationality behind the idea that Europe has to throw open its borders and allow anyone who wants to come to come. And that, uh, the point I made in, in the, um, uh, I forget the title of it, but um, I'll link it in the post, the Traders and the Invasion and, and Traders and Jews podcast, is that's the dynamic, is that it's treason. And that it's treason uh, at the behest of and with the thinking of the Jews behind it. The Jews being the first invaders of Europe, really. And 
uh, as I've pointed out many times, that you can see that it's a moral argument, that this is what appeals to Europeans and the European mind is this uh, universal argument that everybody is us and that it's hate or intolerance to exclude anyone. And uh, at the same time, it's doublethink because the whole idea is that it's a distinction that is being made. It's between whites and non-whites, between Europeans and non-Europeans, that the non-Europeans are better than Europeans, morally better, and need to be served. And again, it's the Jews who are the first and foremost non-Europeans whose interests need to be served. And um, the latest trend, is, this is becoming mainstream, this invasion of Europe by non-Europeans is becoming so obvious and, and the characteristics of it are so obvious that it has gone mainstream. It's going viral right now, uh, in part because they're coming now by the tens of thousands and we're hearing uh, that Germany, for instance, will be accepting 800,000 uh, refugees. This is all under the, uh, the, the latest... Um, the latest push here, the latest, uh, the, the, the viral aspect of it is being called the refugee crisis. Or on Twitter, it's hashtag refugee crisis. The real crisis is for Europe and Europeans, of course. It's not for the refugees, and these aren't even refugees. They're just people who want to come to Europe to find a better life for themselves. And uh, the better life for Europeans be damned. Uh, they want to take what Europeans have, and it's mostly uh, military age men that are coming. It's not families, despite the Jews media propaganda to the opposite effect that it's these poor uh, people from war-torn countries that have to come to Europe to, to find their better life. They, there's plenty of countries nearby, uh, even if they did do this to escape fighting, there's plenty of countries nearby that don't have any fighting going on that have people that are much closer to them culturally and racially. And, um, the irony, the really educational uh, telling part uh, of why they don't go there is that they actually say that, that, first of all, they're not welcomed by the governments of those countries, and secondly, that those governments say <clears throat> that they're not welcomed because they're too different, they're too incompatible, and they would cause too much trouble. So, uh, But, the, you know, this goes back to the morality of Europeans uh, imposed by Jews, the Jewish narrative that it's Europeans' duty to take in everyone, no matter how alien, and, and to exclude anyone is just stupid, crazy, and evil. And uh, now that I've brought up stupid, crazy, evil, that was one of the earliest podcasts I made. I thought it's it's one of the most valuable insights that I had into how things work, the actual mechanics of the political discourse and the psychological manipulation that goes on to enable, or at least to justify and rationalize what's happening. And that is, people use these arguments and attacks that are based on the idea that the enemy is stupid, or they're crazy, or they're evil. And the enemy, in this case, being any European, any white person who stands up and says, hey, what's happening isn't good for me, and tries to argue from the basis of what's good for themselves, not only as an individual, which is more and more becoming 
also taboo and not allowed for anyone who's, who has white skin to even argue from an individual point of view is becoming uh, something that's stupid and crazy and evil today. But the first thing that they eliminated was white people standing up as white people, as a group, and saying, for my group, in the interests of my group, and they don't even have to identify themselves as white, they just have white skin and happen to be in a country and be speaking about a group of people who are mostly white, and say, it's not in my interest to let these hostile aliens in, or even intelligent aliens in, because or poor aliens in, because they're aliens. That's really the basis of it. And you can see that argument being made by non-whites, and it's perfect. It's considered perfectly legitimate for non-whites to argue on that basis, that they don't even want to let smart people into their country if they don't, and they don't have to, uh, because it's not good for them, and it's up to them to decide what is or isn't good for them. And the fundamental problem that we have in the West, in white countries, and the countries that were founded and created, built by white people, and are still mostly populated by white people, is that it's the Jews who decide what is good and what is bad, and they decide that based on what's good or bad for themselves, not what's good or bad for the vast majority of the population that they rule over. I've talked about that too. I've talked about the nature of Jewish rule, the uh, the double thing going on there, that, that Jews in fact rule, they're worshipped by and openly so by the leaders of the these white countries, and whether they're white or not, Barack Obama is a good example of this where he goes on and on about just how much he identifies with and, and loves the Jews to the point of worship. Uh, Joe Biden, his vice president, is another good example. But it's true also in the European countries where supposedly the Jews can't possibly have influence because there's just not enough of them. It really doesn't matter how many Jews are present physically in a country. That's not what it takes for a country to be ruled by Jews. If that country decides its policies based on thinking of what's best for the Jews, that's enough for Jew rule. You know, we can, and, and I've, there, I've just explained what I mean when I say Jew rule. It doesn't mean a Jew is actually the president of the country. Because the president of the country, uh, you know, let's be honest, doesn't, isn't all powerful anyway. Uh, so even, you can't say that Obama rules the United States because Obama does what he feels he has to do in order to stay alive. And in order to, uh, uh, please the people around him that he feels he needs to please and for his own personal ambition as well, for his own personal interest and the interest of his family narrowly. And this is the point I've, I've made too about um, why white po politicians do what they do. They do it out of self-interest, really, out of concern for themselves narrowly. And the rhetoric that they use to explain what they do is this universalist, all, we're all equal, we're all humans, no human is illegal, and by the way, the Holocaust. You know, we have to do this because otherwise it'll be like gassing all the Jews, loading them onto boxcars and so forth, This all this imagery of the Jews. And that's what's behind that universalist narrative, is the Jews prodding you to either think of yourself as an atom and think only of your narrow self-interest, or to think of yourself as a human being and everyone is equal to you. And they are the best example of a group that doesn't see the world that way. They see themselves as part of a collective called Jews. And if that collective is attacked in any way, they do whatever they can as a Jew to uh, de deflect or, or thwart that attack and to counterattack. I mean, part of the 
reason for uh, what they call anti-Semitism. It's really anti-parasitism. It's it's the host peoples around them whom they're infiltrating and manipulating and exploiting, reacting without, in, in most cases, without even really realizing that it's Jews as an organized entity, as a conscious entity, doing this to them. The the host is, for the most part, unconscious, certainly relative to the Jews, unconscious and disorganized. But even just the cow shrugging its shoulders while a vampire bat uh, uh, sucks its blood, you can imagine the, the Jews in this case are the vampire bat screeching about anti-batism, anti-blood sucking. You know, that's basically what they're doing. And the cow is stupid, basically, and unaware that this is what's happening to them. They're simply shrugging in response to it, reacting. And if we ever want to uh, free ourselves from this, uh, we've got to recognize what it actually is and organize against it uh, as well as or better than uh, the parasite organizes. So that's the invasion of Europe and you know, other people are talking about it, and part of the reason I don't feel any need to talk about it is because other people are doing a fairly good job, and it's um, it's shocking. It's it's reaching the mainstream. I think the images there's images on both sides. There's the image of the little Syrian boy who drowned, that's uh, supposedly invoking so much sympathy, but at the same time, there are images that are more representative of what's actually happening, uh, of hordes of young men uh, flooding into Europe and young alien men and uh, crying out the name of the country that they came from or uh, crying out Allahu Akbar. So it's, they make their hostility to Europeans obvious. The problem, and um, if I haven't already made it clear, the problem and the reason for the invasion is that Europeans don't think that they have any moral right to keep out the invasion. They don't even think of the invaders as invaders for the most part. And that's, but that is one of the trends that's changing. They, they, it's happening now so quickly that they see that this is a bogus, fraudulent argument and that this is, um, it doesn't make any sense that their governments are not defending them, uh, which is their number one job. And they are instead, uh, seeking to advance the interests of these hostile aliens. And uh, more and more people are, uh, who otherwise were busy just living their lives are at this moment right now waking up and saying, why is this going on? And they're going onto the internet and that's the only place you can find, uh, for the most part, the, an explanation of what's going on. Because if you go to the Jews media, you're only going to get sob stories and, uh, uh emotional and, and, uh, poisonous moral messages about how this has to happen because it's, uh, you know, First, the explanation was because it's going to enrich us, and now the explanation has turned 180 degrees that it's our duty to enrich the aliens. So, uh, you know, in either case, it's a bogus argument, it's, and it's not the real reason why it's happening. The real reason it's happening is that the Jews, either as themselves or their money by proxy, their people who uh, wish to serve their interests, are in charge, and they are the ones who are pulling the strings and, and uh, writing the laws and interpreting the laws, and that's why the, our militaries, which aren't our militaries, are not repelling this invasion. The 
Jewish rule is enabled by treason. And it's, you know, none dare call it treason because it's successful, because that's who's in charge. That's who's giving the orders to the military now is the enemy. And it was really the reason why the gates have been thrown open to the aliens is because aliens were already inside the gate and they've been there for 2,000 years at least. And now they rule. They uh, dominate the imaginations and the very morals of European societies, formerly European societies, even in Europe. So the other major trend I wanted to talk a little bit about is the U.S. election cycle and uh, Donald Trump in particular and what he's doing to it. I'm not usually interested in U.S. politics. I, uh, As a young man, I used to show more interest until I got disgusted, not even understanding why. But I could see that basically it was a lot of nonsense and uh, finger-pointing and food fight and all of that. Uh, I've come to understand, of course, that that's deliberate, that that is it's a show, basically, a sideshow uh, to keep people distracted, keep people busy pointing fingers, to keep them divided into left and right and red and blue, liberal, conservative, and to just keep them thinking that the other side, politically, ideologically, is the enemy. And the larger purpose is to think that that ideology is the main division amongst people and that that's the only proper division amongst people. And so uh, whether you adhere to a leftist ideology or a rightist ideology, you think it's all about ideology, whereas the reality is that it's racial. That's what's really the most important is is your heritage and your people. And the Jews obviously recognize this because whether they're playing the left side of the game or the right side of the game, the Jews themselves, they don't identify themselves as Jews. They don't identify their supposed enemy on the other side as a Jew. And yet they are, when it comes down to um, issues that are uh, key to the Jews and what's best for the Jews, things like immigration, things like the defense of Israel, things like the morality of letting complete aliens run roughshod over you, then they are fairly united on that. And um, they often defend their uh, themselves from such criticism by saying, well, two Jews, three opinions. But it always comes down to two Jews, three opinions about what's best for the Jews. That's what's underneath it all. And they're just trying to distract from that. They They use a variety of techniques to distract from the fact that they are operating as a monolith at the base of it all, as Jews. And they're just, they disagree about how to go about that. And so some of them line up on the left and some of them, a smaller number, line up on the right and make their arguments uh, from those points of view. But uh, Donald Trump is is the big thing in the news. And um, uh, Twitter is, almost every day, is, is uh, at least the part of Twitter that I'm paying attention to. There's something or other that Donald Trump does every day that shakes up previous precedents and uh, seems so out of the ordinary that uh, it's shaking people's minds loose. So in a sense, that's one good aspect of, of what's happening. But then again, uh, these are dangerous times. These The uh, the change that's coming, as we see in Europe and, and the invasion, it's really getting to be the end game. Now, the... Uh, how white people and Europeans react at this point is going to be key. And unfortunately, the demoralizing and negative aspect of what's happening with Trump uh, 
is just as large as and, and um, prominent as the positive potential positive aspects so it's it's really comes down to whether you want to look at things optimistically or pessimistically about uh, what's going on with Trump but from my point of view the one of the most optimistic things I could say about it is that he's shaking up and exposing the two-faced one-party political system he's a representative of it ironically and a lot of people don't get that that he's actually a part of the system an inherent or an integral part he's he's presented as an outsider and people think because he's causing so much agita to the Jews media that that this means that he's our friend and that he's going to save us or even help us a little bit even if only unintentionally because he's everybody seems to know that he's not actually a white nationalist although that's what the uh, the Jews media uh, is very intent to talk about and that's one of the good aspects of of what he's done is he's he's put this whole issue of white interests and white people on the front page of all of the Jews media right now it's all negative it's all about how white people don't have interests how stupid and crazy and evil it is to even think that white people have collective interests as a people uh, but that is exactly what causes people's minds to snap and and to realize that this is a fraud this is all of this stuff about democracy and um, they see the the um, ethnic activism of the browns and the blacks and the Jews and the Asians all of these groups are actively organizing and lobbying for their people's interests as a people and white people are just supposed to sit back and help them that's uh, what is making lots of white minds right now snap and go I'm not uh, you know I don't I'm not a racist but this is not right even if by my objective understanding of what's supposed to be happening here that if racism is supposed to be bad then all of these non-white groups that are organized racially should be bad right and uh, this is coming out in the, uh, the debate about uh, Donald Trump which is happening on the right that the elite of the right is uh, criticizing one of their main criticisms is the rise of white identity politics and the, the insight that I could make there is that is that it has to be qualified with the word white and the reason for that is that identity politics is inherently anti-white if you look into as I did in one of my early podcasts the roots of identity politics what does that mean you find that what it means is exactly what is driving objective white people who don't want to be racist crazy which is the, it's the whole idea is that everybody but white people should organize along identity lines along their racial ethnic cultural group interests and that basically it's identity politics to put it in a nutshell is people of color against whites it's an inherently by definition anti-white people of color just means non-white everybody who is not white and the coalition is led by Jews the problem that whites have and what's being exposed by uh, Donald Trump and all of this 
anti-white nationalist, anti-white media now coming out, even from the right side. It's always been coming out from the left or has been for decades, but now it's even coming out on the right, is that they're just as anti-white as the left is. What's being exposed is that this idea of identity politics is anti-white. And the, the whole idea of whites trying to play the game, like just like any of the other identities, is uh, makes heads explode. It, it causes cognitive dissonance. And that's the reason for it, is that it's inherently anti-white. So whites deciding to play, it's like the word racism. You know, whites hear the word racism, and for the most part, they think it's some objective definition that it means just one race of people discriminating against another people of race based on race. That's what they think racism means. And they don't understand that, no, what racism is, and anti-racism, it comes out in that slogan, anti-racism is a code word for anti-white. That's true, because every if you look at all of the people who are uh, organizing and railing against racism, quote-unquote racism, it's always aimed at white people. It's always a critique of white people to the point where a racist is really just a code word for white people. And that's why when you hear white people talk about it, even they at some level in their brain realize this, and they'll say things like anti-white racism. They realize that they have to qualify the word racism because if you just look at how the word is used, it's always in an anti-white context, or almost always in a The only people who don't use it in an anti-white context are the white people who don't realize, who are thinking objectively, and don't realize that the term was created as an attack against white people. And what is it an attack against? It's against white, it's, it's trying to discourage white people from thinking in terms of race, from thinking of in terms of, as I said, the the real driving force behind all politics is racial. It's not ideological. Within a certain race or within a certain group, you can have ideological divisions, and that makes sense that they disagree with each other like the Jews do about what's best for themselves. But the minute you extend, as as these Western, uh, the Western philosophy has done, as soon as you extend the society to the include many communities, well now it's not about ideological divide anymore. It's about one community versus another community, one group against another. And in the current uh, zeitgeist, in the current uh, political system that we have and, and have had for at least 70 years, it's white people who are supposed to just unilaterally disarm, think of everyone else as themselves, as good or better than themselves. And this has been disastrous for whites. And um, this current trend in in uh, the discourse right now of current events of, of Trump is is calling attention to this. Now Trump I, uh, Trump harkens back and and reminds me of two uh, previous politicians uh, that have betrayed their people. After sounding good, they've they've actually uh, revealed themselves as as traitors. And that one is Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher. Um, and, and there's many examples. Uh, Ronald Reagan at the same time did pretty much the same thing. But Thatcher, in order to get elected in Britain uh, back in the 80s, was uh, made some noises um, that uh, she was going to she, that she recognized the interests of Native Britons that didn't want to be swamped 
by alien cultures. And that was enough. That dog whistle was enough to propel her into office. But once in office, she didn't slow down the immigration. She sped it up. And that has been a recurring pattern uh, all along, in, or at least since World War II, in uh, European and uh, European diaspora politics. The leaders, really, behind the scenes, are looking to their true constituency, which is dominated by Jews, the, the uh, wealthy people. The democracy is really just a, a sham. It's a fraud. And it's what's the way things really work is by plutocracy. It's the rule by the rich, the people who own the uh, or have enough money to uh, donate or uh, basically uh, pour into politics in order to influence the politicians, in order to buy the politicians. And even if they don't directly buy the politicians, they are able to influence public thinking through their control of media. And uh, this is totally dominated by Jews, certainly in Britain and, and most other countries in Europe, and definitely in the United States. It's Jews working as a group to advance Jewish interests, and, and what the Jews want is is what drives the agenda. And if they don't like something, then it is uh, destroyed. It's dismantled and destroyed. So this is what uh, this is why things happen the way they happen. Schwarzenegger is another good example of this. Arnold Schwarzenegger in California, I remember because I was living there at the time, and I was concerned about immigration and the fact that I could, with my own eyes, I could see that California was turning into Mexico. And uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger came to power mainly because he uh, sent some dog whistles that he was going to fix this problem. I think the number one issue was. Um, that the previous governor, uh, Gray Davis, had uh, laid down plans to give illegal aliens driver's licenses. And um, this is one of those immigration issues and battles that's been fought over the last uh, 30, 40 years now, is this, this slow, incremental increase in benefits to these invaders and treating them uh, more and more as if they're citizens of the country. Uh, and people didn't want that to happen. You know, they had already voted previously on Prop 187 in California to cut off any sort of benefits to illegal aliens. That was gutted by the Supreme Court of California uh, and Gray Davis, the combination of the two. And Schwarzenegger came into office, was elected because the white people in California heard what he had to say. And, and the similarity to Trump in Schwarzenegger's case was, I'm wealthy and famous and I don't answer to anybody else. So I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. And it didn't happen. Of course, once Schwarzenegger got into office, he wrecked the state simply. I mean, he didn't have to do anything. Uh, that's kind of the point. If you don't fight back against the left or the um, the, the Jewish agenda, uh, the open border agenda, it will just happen. Uh, so you have to actively try to defend your borders and actively cut off benefits to that are uh, being used by the invaders in order to stop an invasion. You can't stop an invasion by just saying, uh, we're going to build a wall. And that's uh, part of the the um, false uh, and uh, really mendacious uh, uh, rhetoric coming from Trump is this idea that, a couple of ideas from Trump, we're going to build a wall, and actually we're going to have Mexico pay for it, but we're going to build a wall 
and we're going to deport them all. This is just common sense stuff, and this is why he's so popular. Uh, this is what the majority of people in the United States would like, or any country, really. They want their country to be defended because they think of it or like to think of it as their own and that they don't want to see it basically invaded by complete alien people that have nothing in common with them and who are basically just going to take what they have. And so, you know, Trump's rhetoric about building a wall and deporting them all appeals to a not just white people. It appeals to all the blacks who are already here and all the Mexicans who are already here and all the uh, everybody else who's already here. If they have any sense and they... Uh, uh, believe Trump, then that's why they support Trump and, and supposedly support him in larger numbers than uh, any white Republican candidate has ever enjoyed, or at least enjoyed uh, over recent cycles. But it's a fraud, really, and and Trump himself reveals it as a fraud. What's going to be coming, the Thatcher or Schwarzenegger uh, bait-and-switch or um, uh, fraud that, that he's planning, when he says... After I build the wall, it's going to have a big, fat, beautiful, open door. And that's what's going to happen uh, if the wall ever gets built. I mean, he may come into office uh, and say, well, you know, since we're going to build this big, fat, beautiful, open door anyway, why even build the wall or the door or even go through the trouble of deporting them all? Let's just make them all citizens. And harkening back to Reagan, uh, Reagan's argument was we need to do the right thing morally. And remember, the morals are dictated by the Jews, we've got to treat the other, the minority, as better than us. We've got to treat them right, which is what that means, is treat them better than us. And so we've got to let them all stay and make them citizens, just like us, only better. And uh, that's where we're heading with Trump. That's what Trump will do once he's in office. And the interesting thing about that is that even the Jews, uh, the, the bulk of the Jews are not fooled by Trump's uh, uh, supposed uh, philo-Semitism, his love for the Jews, the fact that his daughter has married a Jew and converted to Judaism, if that was even possible, uh, the or the fact that he's up to his eyeballs in business with Jews and support, surrounded by his own Jews that support him. Uh, the bulk of the Jews are against him, and the bulk of the Jews' media is against him. And um, what's really interesting is that the right, side of politics, the conservative uh, right-wing Republican side, is dominated by Jews too, probably even more so than the left, even though there's less obvious Jews pulling the strings. You've got the, the bag men, the, the money men, Sheldon Adelson's and uh, Paul uh, Singer's and, and so forth, that they know that is their true constituency, who's, who they really get their marching orders from who they have to be selected by before they can possibly be elected. The election being basically just the rubber stamp uh, on it. And um, despite the fact that uh, Donald Trump has uh, prostrated himself before the Jews and, and said how what a great ally the Jews are and what a great ally he'd be to the Jews, um, just like every other politician who ever gets to that level at this point, uh, the Jews still don't like him, and uh, in fact, they despise him, and, and they despise him because of all the white people that support him. This is back to the, the Tea Party uh, phenomena that we've seen over the last two election cycles in 2008 and 2012. The Jews media just hates white people so much. It hates them even when they're unconsciously white, 
when they just organize as a group without even thinking about, and in fact, while trying hard not to think, you know, denying that they're organizing racially. I'm not a racist, and they put blacks up on stage and applaud them because they're black, because they want to demonstrate how non-racist they are, but they can't help but see that the things that they want are not happening, and so they organize as, for instance, or loosely organize as the Tea Party. And in this cycle, the Tea Party has been... Um, co-opted mostly the kind of issues that they are interested in are co-opted by Trump and they support uh, Trump I think uh, for the most part the, the same sort of people that think of themselves as tea partiers and it's mostly white and that's why the Jews media hates it they, the Jews media's code word for that kind of white person is populist or populism uh, Donald Trump being the populist the evil populist and the uh, appeal that he has to a large number of white people is called populism, and populism is a bad thing that you shouldn't want. Even though, you know, democracy is all about trying to, uh, supposedly, trying to get uh, popular support, the whole idea, that you, the, the evidence that that's a fraud, is in this idea that is shared by both sides, the left and the right, the elite amongst them, the, the supposed uh, leaders, the big brains, is that populism is bad, evil, stupid, crazy. Uh, and it's it's not really um, populism is another one of those words like racism that it's really white populism that's bad because the whole idea is that the Republican Party should be trying to be more popular with blacks or Latinos or whoever they they bend over backwards and probably the core principle of the Republican Party the one thing that uh, they will not abandon the one point of their ideology that they will not abandon is absolute serp, uh, slavitude to the Jews and and to Israel to the point of saying things about Israel and how how much they love Israel and how much they would defend Israel that they would never say about America even as a uh, nation of immigrants or even as a as a, uh, a proposition nation not even as a as a people but uh, because it would be racist to say such things about uh, in defense of America, the concept, uh, never mind white people. And that's the reality of it is that Trump doesn't explicitly identify himself as white. He doesn't, you know, he's not a racist. He doesn't go to too much trouble to deny that he's a racist, but he just demonstrates that he is. And uh, somebody, I think it might have been Rush Limbaugh, made that point about Trump that um, the reason the Jews media uh, propaganda against him about how you know white nationalists support him and these these stupid crazy and evil uh, Trump Trump and pol proletariat uh, that this this hostile attack hasn't damaged Trump is because most people are familiar with Trump already and they're familiar with his celebrity and his uh, his show Celebrity Apprentice where he demonstrates. Uh, for all to see that he's not a racist, that he treats people pretty much as people rather than as uh, different races. So, and I think that that's what blacks and uh, the browns and others who support Trump are picking up on too. They can see he's not a white supremacist, that he's not actually going to make America great again by making it white again. Uh, so there's that. Uh, one other thing about this uh, immigration in, in the U.S. that uh, Trump has 
brought to the forefront, at least of people's uh, of, of the political discourse, is it should make people think, well, who opened our borders in the first place? And who wants them to stay open now? It's it's really that that aspect of it, that exposure that he's providing is good because it's making people wonder about things, or at least the ones that are capable of thinking independently and logically about such things. And it's clear it's Jews that opened the borders in the first place, and it's Jews, for the most part, that are dictating that they have to stay open, as I've pointed out, that the, the moral narrative behind almost every rationale arguing in favor of the aliens is based on Jews as the first prototypical, archetypical aliens. And that you see it even when they make reference to the Holocaust or the six million or the, you know, cattle cars and gas chambers and all the rest of it, that that's what's looms in every mind that is arguing in favor of the immigrants, even if they don't explicitly say it, they, uh, it's the Jews and that we have to do this because Jews. Now, out, part of this, um, flurry of activity in, in political discourse and the, and the dramatic change is the rise of these terms cuckservative and the related term kikeservative, which calls attention to this whole situation that I've been talking about. The fact that the Republican right side of politics is now, um, just as treasonous and as poisonous and anti-white as the left side has been for a long time. The left being the source of the original identity politics and the Democrat in the United States, the Democratic Party being the party of the blacks and the browns and the non-whites funded and controlled by Jews and that the right side has become the, the white party and for the last two election cycles, 2008 and 2012, that's been the accusation thrown by the left is that the you evil people on the other side are becoming the white party. You are the white party, and that's a bad thing. You know, you shouldn't do that. You should try and appeal. You should try and be more populist toward the uh, blacks and the browns and, and everybody else. And they have become slavishly, um, slavishly interested in serving the interests of Jews for real. I mean, they don't. They they pay lip service to the idea of trying to win black and brown voters, but who they're really interested in winning the support of is the Jews. And that's pretty obvious. There's a uh, a recent article that just came out in New York Magazine that I'll put in the program post that really lays out just how slavish the uh, the right side of American politics has become to Jewish interests and Jewish money, Jewish media. And um, the, the cuckservative word I talked about in my last podcast uh, is... Um, like Trump is good and it has its good and its bad th- sides. You know, it implicitly calls attention to this poisonous relationship where a group of people, white people, are being betrayed and having their resources exploited by another group of people. That's what uh, cuckoldry is all about. It's um, having your resources stolen by a competing and separate, distinct biological entity that has its own interests in mind. And so conservative implicitly calls attention to that. The problem is, is that conservative and a lot of people throwing around the word conservative don't actually want to call attention to anyone else. They just want to maybe, uh, have the Republican party be a little bit more conservative or a little bit more, um, 
serve their interests, but they don't want to be called racist and they don't want to be uh, a Nazi. They don't want to talk about the Jews. They don't want to think about the Jews. And so they use the word uh, cuckoldry more or, or cuckservative more as just an insult uh, to to say you're a wimp. It's sort of like calling somebody gay, but it's uh, it's uh, politically correct or it, it used to be politically correct until, of course, the, the response to cuckservative has been, that's racist. <laughs> <laughs> because it's white people using the word and uh, white people who are concerned about their interests, even if only implicitly. So that's what racism is, and that's what they call it in order to fight back against it. But the reality behind conservativism and conservatives is that they're kikeservatives. They're either literally Jews who are masquerading as white, or they're whites who have uh, who at the same time they're denying that they're racist are vicarious racists in that they support Jews to the hilt as if they are Jews, as if you, you could imagine that th their minds have basically been dedicated in their hearts to Jews and their love for Israel and love for the Jewish people and jumping to defend the Jews from anti-Semitism, which is any criticism of Jews as Jews. Uh, it, it's really bizarre that, that they... Uh, it, but and yet understandable why the it's because the Jews rule and they realize that rule at some level in their brain and they kiss up to that rule and that's what's going on they realize that they can enrich themselves personally by denying that they're racists by denying that they have any interest in whites as a group even though they're white and that instead they're going to stand with the Jews they're going to stand with Israel uh, and be what you know objective white objective thinking white people should recognize is racist also if you're thinking of racism as as an objective thing you know the Jews doing basically what whites are not allowed to do or what whites are called stupid crazy and evil for doing when Jews do it it's just considered normal and natural I mean that's what people have to do to defend their interests and and to continue as a people uh, but these are you know these are things that I've talked about uh, long ago and and sort of elementary issues of identity that, uh, yeah, of course, you can look at the Jews and see what they're doing and see that's what's essential to survive. Even their attacks on whites to keep whites defenseless and disorganized is in their interest. And that's why they do it, because it's in their interest, not because it's in everybody's interest, as they often describe it, but because it's in their interest specifically. And that's why they have opened the borders of all the countries that they live in other than Israel. Israel is theirs for real that's sort of their nesting ground and that's where they that's their bolt hole where they can always retreat to if they ever need to but the rest of these countries on the planet are even though they're owned by Jews are for the most part populated by people who aren't Jews who are a resource to be exploited by them and uh, that's the fundamentally illegitimate nature of Jew rule in all of these other countries is that they they rule for their benefit and um and that includes opening the borders so that they're, these um, host societies that they rule over can become even larger, can become bloated and, um, and generate even uh, more wealth to be siphoned off and shipped to their, their true, where their heart and brains and loyalties really lie, their, their nesting ground, their boat hole back in Israel. And that's, that's uh, Western politics in a nutshell. And there is, there is some pushback against it, things that they complain about, things like the uh, boycott divestiture uh, movement. 
uh, BDS it's called in the United States and, and other Western countries, uh, I guess to a lesser extent, on uh, campuses where the anti-racist rhetoric clashes with the pro-Jew uh, rhetoric. Um, that's what's basically going on is, you know, the Jews have, have constructed this anti-racist ideology and philosophy, this idea that white people have to just give pe- things to non-white people. And it squirts out uh, as a blowback to a certain extent against Jews because of the fact that many people see the Jews as white. The Jews encourage this um, misunderstanding themselves. I, in fact, I would call that the fundamental um, fraud of Western politics is the idea that Jews are white. And uh, it's double-think, really. The, the, you can find many examples of Jews explicitly saying that they're not white and don't think of themselves as white. But even more important, you can see through their actions that they don't consider themselves white, that they don't sympathize with white people. In fact, they see white people as their main enemy. And you see it in, in the phrase, you know, combating racism and anti-Semitism. Well, as we've already discussed, racism is whites acting like whites in the interest of whites. So they see that as being necessary to combat. And at the, and they link it together with anti-Semitism, which combating anti-Semitism just means advancing Jewish interests, defending the Jews from any criticism or any sort of pushback, any sort of anti-parasitism that the host societies might uh, even unthinkingly um, mount against Jewish interests. If, if uh, you know, you might think as a uh, as many uh, objective thinking white identity uh, you know, whites who who finally sort of get it and realize, well, you know, everybody else has an identity. I should have an identity too. And they think about it uh, inevitably in our European way. In objective terms, they think, well, everybody should have an identity, sort of the way that uh, David Duke argues. Uh, all people have a right to have a homeland and, and preserve their culture. And the reality is that, uh, and, and some of these people will say, you know, like, well, Jews should have their Israel so that they can have their culture. But they won't go as far as to say, usually, Jews should be kicked out of my country because they're destroying it and they're destroying my people. But they will think and, and argue that, hey, well, my people should have a country too. And they don't often make the next logical uh, step, which is, well, what's the biggest threat to my culture and my people? Who is constantly attacking my people, saying that they don't even exist? Well, it's Jews doing that. It's it's Jews behind this anti-racist uh, open borders um thing. Those are, are Jewish constructs. It's mainly Jews who have who have done those things. So the fundamental fraud of Western politics, and that's probably the main point that I have to uh, to get across in this podcast, is that Jews are white. This this idea that Jews are white. And they look white and uh, biologically they're closely related to white white people genetically, like um in the sense that they're clo- more closely genetically related to whites than say Africans are or even uh full blown Eastern Asians, but they are from the periphery of Europe originally, and they have lived amongst Europeans, even though they have lived amongst Europeans for 2,000 years, they've uh, and interbred to a certain extent with Europeans. They are still also uh, fairly inbred and, and insular and uh, themselves as a people. They've, that's their main concern. I've talked, uh, I think it was especially with uh, my conversation with Kyle Hunt a few months ago, about the 
one of the things that confuses people, they look at Jews and they see that there's black Jews and there's yellow Jews and there's Jews in India and there's Jews in South America. There's Jews everywhere. And they look different. And uh, and so they think Jews can't be a race. And what they're missing is that, that there's two halves to the Jews. There's the, the core, the, uh, the genetic uh, pool uh, of pure Jews. And um, that that core is mainly insulated from any sort of um, encroachment from the genes from outside. And yet, uh, and I'm thinking now of uh, mainly the Orthodox Jews, the ones who have uh, a sense of race to a religious level, that are so insular and keep to themselves and only let their children, they teach their children that you know they should only marry other Jews, and that's for the most part what they're children actually do and they have lots and lots of babies and so you can think of this as a constant pool that's spewing Jews out into the society around it and that's where the other half of the Jews are is in the some of the Jews splash out into the host uh, around them and digest that host um, spew enzymes <laughs> into its brain and and take control of its finances and its media and convince it that Jews are just like them. You know, it's it's not just that Jews pretend to be white, but in India, Jews are Indians, just like any other Indian. And, and in China, Jews are Chinese, just like any Chinese. It's This is something that uh, is fundamental to how the Jews do what they do. And it's not just white people that they, that they do it to. White people are, for the most part, uh, unaware of it. And even the white people who become aware of it are mostly aware only of how the Jews operate in white societies. But this mechanism that they exploit uh, this psychological trick and this parasitism, this, these parasitic techniques that they use, are actually uh, the key to how they infiltrate any society, how they've infiltrated non-European, non-white societies in prehistory, and how they're doing it today, even in places like India and China. Now, uh, another interesting thing that happened, I think it's more than a month ago now, was uh, David Duke appeared on Alex Jones' uh, to debate him, and Alex Jones wanted to interview him and debate him. And the key thing that happened there, I think, was that uh, when Alex Jones blurted out, Jews, 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 my head hurts. And because that's, I think, um, in a nutshell, what people like Alex Jones, uh, how they're, what's going on in their head. They don't want to think about the Jews, even though the Jews are in the headlines every day, Holocaust, Nazis, uh, the six million uh, swastikas, uh, hate hoaxes. Uh, it's every day you can. There's just this constant drumbeat of we got to bomb Iran uh, because the safety of America, the safety of Europe hangs in the balance. We got to let all these aliens in because Jews. It's the Jews are there, uh, constantly manipulating our politics and uh, to their benefit, organized as Jews, and yet. Here's the double think from people like Alex Jones. We're not supposed to think about them because that makes our head hurt. It's because we know we'll be called racist or anti-Semite. And Alex Jones makes it pretty plain. He doesn't want to be called a racist. And that's, he, and he, and he definitely doesn't want to be a Nazi. Uh, so that's why he tries to generalize. And, um, to a certain extent, he transfers the blame away from the Jews then to these generic arguments that he comes up with, these these bizarre Illuminati, uh, Nazi conspiracy. It's not the Jews who run the world in, in his telling. It's it's the Nazis or people who, who collaborated with the Nazis. 
and they want to kill everybody. And and that was the common ground, I think, that David Duke had with Alex Jones, is Alex Jones is trying to explain the same sorts of things that are going on in the world and in politics that David Duke tries to explain, except David Duke actually includes the Jews. He sees that the Jews are at the center of it all. And um, I, I think even Alex Jones does too, but Alex Jones has set himself up to basically, as an apologist, for the Jews, as somebody who's coming up with alternative explanations for why things are happening. And uh, that that uh, interview debate was uh, entertaining, but it was also uh, pretty uh, typical of the kind of debate that anyone who is Jew-aware and who's trying to wake up their fellow white Americans or fellow white people around them to the menace, really, that Jews are posing and have posed for thousands of years, this is the kind of debate that they have. The, the, the other, their friend or their relative, will be like Alex Jones and say exactly the kind of things that Alex Jones says, you know, like, well, it's not all Jews, and because there's one or two non-Jews involved, or even a whole bunch of non-Jews involved, it can't possibly be the Jews. And so we have to come up with other explanations. And uh, that's, um, it's an argument I've had many, many times with with different people. And in the end, it's really, you can see that the person on the other side of the argument is really in denial. Uh, I hate to use a Jewish psychoanalytic term for it, but they, they basically, they are, it causes pain in their head to think about the Jews, that this is all a lie, that what the Jews narrative about their history amongst Europeans for the last 2000 years and their history generally is that they are victims, innocent victims who have been oppressed and persecuted for no reason whatsoever. And it it's so easy to just flip that on its head and say, hey, wait a minute, it's actually the Jews who have been inserting themselves into European society for the last 2,000 years, insisting on being amongst Europeans and exploiting them. And then when the Europeans react to that and expel them from the country or kill a few of them or say uh, mean things about them, then the Jews uh, act like that's the start of it all, that it, it wasn't what the Jews were doing that had anything to do with it. And all you have to do is realize that that flip it like that. It's like one of those drawings where you can see it in one of two ways. Most people see it in terms that the Jews describe it from the Jewish point of view, seeing the Jews as the victims of, of everything that's going on. And I'd say that's pretty close to what's the, to the reality. They're looking at the same facts and pointing to the same facts. Uh, but, you just need to flip it in your mind and, and realize that it's actually a, the cover story that the Jews use. They see it from entirely from their point of view, and they refuse basically to acknowledge that anyone else has any right to exist. It's We all exist for the benefit of the Jews in the, in the Jews' mind. And what's so poisonous and um, and really sick about the way our current society is organized and is, and is going is that many, many white people have adopted that way of seeing things as well and will spew this Jewish narrative to explain uh, what's going on. And it's all, you know, this is where the double thing comes in. It's the ideas are Jews are white, but they're special, just like everybody else. You know, we're supposed to entertain both ideas in our head at the same time. We're supposed to treat Jews just like everybody else, and they'll use that argument sometimes. Except when they want special treatment, they want to be treated, they want to be given special funds for their country or for their defense, or they want to be given special consideration under the law, or they want to be given special access to whatever they want access to that's good for them. 
then they need to be treated as a special group of people who can't be criticized and, and should hate laws have to be crafted to defend uh, them specifically. So it, there's a point I, I missed um, making during the uh, the political argument, but I guess I'll just put it in here at the end. And that is, uh, and, and it kind of goes in hand in hand with this, Jews, 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 my head hurts, you know, where you have to basically ignore the fact that the Jews are the ones talking about the Jews and the Jews media constantly. Uh, and one of the sort of complementary um, reflections of that is that what's in the media all the time? White privilege, white nationalism white identity politics, and always in a negative context, always with the idea that white is bad. And this is also part of the fundamental fraud of Western politics, is it's right in front of you that whites and Jews are distinct, and in fact 180 degrees different, because at the same time the Jews media is telling you all this negative stuff about white privilege and white supremacy is another one, white nationalism, white identity politics, and how bad that is. They're uh, uh, treating Jewish privilege and Jewish nationalism, Zionism, Jewish identity politics as good, as unquestionable. And so that exists at the same time with this idea that Jews are white, just like us, except they can have their nationalism and their privilege and their identity politics and uh, if you question them for it well you're a racism that's the you know, racism combating racism and anti-semitism is basically uh, bashing white people and then defending Jews from any sort of bashing at all you they can't be criticized so uh, on the left hand side of the political spectrum we have uh, lots and lots of um, rhetoric against white supremacy which uh, according to the left and, and the identity politics, the non-white crowd, you know, this country is still ruled by a, a mindset of white supremacy. And the evidence of that is Hollywood and um, Wall Street <laughs> and the white presidents that we've had, uh, you know, forever. Um, and that the fact that there are still white people walking around. This is all evidence of white supremacy, according to the left. And on the right, what we've seen with uh, the rise of Trump and uh, and the attacks on him and, and the people who uh, are excited by Trump is condemnations of white power, which is really just the same thing as white supremacy. It's this, it's uh, maybe even worse, uh, the criticism of white power, because it's coming from the right side, which is supposedly, you know, the party of white people, according to the left, you know, the, the party that is secretly racist and, and pro-white. Uh, it, it's actually the right elite that is criticizing this white power. So uh, at the same time, on the left, they call it different things. White supremacy is the is the, the bugbear, the bugaboo, the boogeyman. And on the right, it's white power and white identity politics, which is a no-no. You're not supposed to uh, think of yourself even in terms of being white unless it's as something bad, something to feel guilty about, something to pay penance uh, for. So that's it. Um, I'll talk again the next time. I don't know when that'll be. I'm not uh, really on track to do regular podcasts anymore or even regular um, posts as I discussed at the beginning. But I'll see you when I see you.